glad that you have joined me. We are working our way through Psalm 51, and uh, we are understanding what it means to repent, what God wants to do with our sin, and how he wants us to acknowledge it when we're wrong. Uh, we've covered a lot of theology, and we are uh, answering a lot of questions about this psalm. And David moves in the first uh, seven verses from basically praying, cleanse me, to now praying, restore me. So verse 8, make me to hear the joy and gladness. We talked about that. Hide thy face from my, hide thy face from my sins and blot out all mine iniquities. God, when you see me, don't look at my failures. Only way that's possible is by the blood of Christ, the, the atoning work of Christ that's been applied to my account. Create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. God can make me clean. He can give me a new mind, will, and emotions. He can give me that new inner man. And these concepts definitely repeat each other, but that's what Hebrew poetry does. So David is saying, God, restore me to my joy, to my gladness, to my purity of heart and spirit. Let me live out of a wellspring of purity and wholeness. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Now, verse 11, I want to park for a minute because I want to ask you this question. From a New Testament vantage point, can we ever really be cast away from thy presence? We know the answer is no. Jesus said, him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. Can we ever really lose the Holy Spirit? Well, we know we can't because Paul said in Ephesians 1 that we are sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. So from a New Testament vernacular and understanding and grid framework, I should say, we, we know this is an impossibility. So what does this verse mean? Well, again, remember the context and what we're talking about. What is this scripture? This is a human being under the inspiration of God, yes, expressing a human response to God. And, and in his own journaling poetry, he is expressing his human experience. So it feels like I'm cast away from the presence of God. It feels, how could I ever have the Holy Spirit of God when I've committed adultery or a, a murder? I mean, God surely has just cause to totally reject me, although the experience of it in David's experience and emotions is, I feel like I'm going to be cast off. I feel like God will withdraw his spirit from me. But through the lens of the New Testament gospel, Jesus come to earth, giving us the fullness of the view that we have now. We know this is impossible, but don't you still feel it? Don't you feel when you fail that you may be cast away or that maybe God's Holy Spirit has been removed from you? I think God's given up on me. I've heard lots of believers say that, but that's never the case, my friend. And this is where the New Testament is the beautiful fulfillment of the old. So many questions, so many loops uh, that are open, open questions of the old mysteries of the old testament narrative are come to this beautiful grand like better than ever fulfillment better than imagined fulfillment in the new testament the new testament informs the old you can't separate them they go together like the first two-thirds of a, of a thriller or mystery movie uh, flows into the last third where all the open loops are closed all the questions are answered the movies you hate to watch are the ones where the story never resolves. The questions are left open and, and you just feel like you wasted an hour or two of your life. The movies or the TV series you love the most are those that resolve the best because they resolve 
with answering all the questions, all the mysteries they, they, they opened in the first part of the narrative. You see, every narrative that we enjoy uh, this side of heaven is somehow a reflection of the gospel narrative. There's an ideal that's threatened and fallen into death and despair and destruction. And then there's a hero that brings about redemption and restoration and renewal. And there's a happily ever after. <clears throat> Those are the narratives we like. I don't know about you, but I love stories, partially because I'm a writer and a, and a speaker and a teacher. And so I teach in stories uh, to some degree and I write in stories to some degree. And it's stories that captivate us. Why? Because God wrote a story and he's writing a story in your life. What are the stories we love the most? Those that answer the most questions the most beautifully. Now, I got to tell you, um, I'll give you an example, okay? I, <clears throat> I have to confess, I've watched all of Downton Abbey. <laughs> now, you follow your own conscience in these things. I don't want to unwittingly become the advocate of something that would violate your conscience. But Dana and I enjoy watching uh, good narratives. We, we enjoy watching good writing, good drama, good stories, good storylines, especially those that create mystery and questions and then resolve. Well, we came to a point where we were, we had been advised by so many friends uh, that, that we would enjoy the story of Downton Abbey. I'm just not a British drama guy, at least I didn't think I was. Um, but so many people referred us that, to it that I'm like, okay, let's try. And I was very skeptical. I went into it thinking, I'm going to watch an episode or two of this and, and I'm never going to watch the rest. But here's what I committed to. I said to my wife, I'm going to, I'm going to commit to watching three episodes, no more than three. And if I'm not into it after three, I'm out. <clears throat> I'll go back to Marvel and Star Wars and and uh, World War II movies. I love stuff where there's guns blazing and stuff blowing up and uh, somebody saving the day. So um, I hate to admit to you that um, that I've got this side of my psyche that I feel like a girl, I feel like I've got to check my man card for a minute. But anyway, um, we so we got three episodes in and I, I was hooked. I mean, one thing I did is I turned on the subtitles because... I can't understand the British accent sometimes, especially when they're using words they used 100 years ago, and I've never heard those words. So I turned on the subtitles, even paused it to look up a word or two every now and then, but I decided to focus on the storyline. So three, three episodes in, I was hooked, uh, and I think it's five or six seasons, but we watched all the seasons. We got to the very end of the last season, and all of a sudden, they started closing loops and resolving tension and bringing uh, things that you as a viewer wanted to be resolved all along. And more than any other movie or series or book series I've ever read, the writers of this series, and this was very intriguing to me, they closed loops and answered questions and resolved tensions. I mean, time, in ways that it was like the, it was like a grand finale fireworks show of resolving tensions. We get to the last episode and I mean, they produced the happiest of happy endings. I couldn't uh, keep the tears back. I looked at my wife. She's laughing at me. I'm laughing at her. And I said, they are creating like the, they've taken five, six seasons to create all this tension in us about these characters. And they're resolving it with this massive uh, resolution that takes your heart to this place. And I couldn't help but think this is what the gospel does. This is what the New Testament does. With all of the tensions of the Old Testament between God's justice and love, his holiness and love, his judgment and anger versus his love and mercy and grace, Jesus is the grandest. He's the, 
He's the grand finale fireworks show of resolution of all the tensions of the core of my humanity and my being and my existence. He resolves all of it through the redemptive narrative of the gospel. And so, no, I don't have to worry about being cast away from God's presence. And no, I don't have to ever fear the Holy Spirit being taken from me. And I can anticipate, verse 12, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. Yes, in Jesus and in the gospel, I can anticipate no matter what's happened in my life, my sin, my regrets, the sins of others, the regrets of others, I can experience the joy of God's salvation and I can be upheld not by the fragile, fickle, flimsy narrative of my brokenness and my broken experience. I can be upheld by the durability of God's free spirit. So we're going to park it here today, guys, guys, ladies, men. I, I want you to meditate on the reality of, of, of how the New Testament in Jesus resolves all the tensions, not only of the Old Testament, but all of the core tensions of our souls. How does God really feel about me? He feels gentle, loving, gracious, uh, as especially as you repent and you have a fresh awareness of his mercy. 